0: Going to be jumping ahead a little bit in our study of the books of the Bible, um, not because we're skipping some books, but I needed to do some work on the book of Malachi for Northern Christian School this week, and so I just killed two birds with one stone. So uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Malachi, and then we'll go back to Ezekiel and carry on uh, in the weeks to come. But we're going to jump ahead to Malachi tonight. That's the very last book in the Old Testament, Book of Malachi. And we are going to read Malachi 3, verses 16 through 18. We'll be all through Malachi. It's a short book. I enjoy preaching through the short books. You can kind of really get a firm grip on the entire thing and jump from verse to verse real easy. Um, So we go from, well, I guess we weren't in Jeremiah last week, but one of the longer books in Jeremiah to one of the shorter in Malachi. Malachi 3. 16 through 18, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in His presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored His name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. (coughs) God's word for us tonight. Uh, Corey Tenboom's faith in God led her to, as many of you know, hide Jews in her family's home in the Netherlands during the early years of World War II. Eventually, she was ratted out by a Dutch informant named Jan Vogel. I'm glad our church isn't called Vogel. (laughs) I don't know why that came to me. That wasn't very nice. They're not even here to defend themselves. She was ratted out by an informant. His name was Jan Vogel. That has nothing to do with the church down the road, as we know. Uh, And she was arrested, and she was eventually sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp. And her story uh, is an important one. For Christians to hear because it reminds us that those who set about to honor God in their daily lives don't necessarily receive the blessings of the world because of it. Now, sometimes, as we saw here this morning, honoring God means sailing into a contrary wind. Other times, it means ending up in a concentration camp. So, what's the point in honoring God? That's the question. If honoring God doesn't make me healthy, wealthy, popular, or comfortable, what's the point of honoring God? That's the question the people of Israel were asking in Malachi's day. Malachi ministered to the returned exiles in Judah. Its place in the Old Testament tells us a little bit about its place in, the history, place in history. It's one of the last books written in the Old Testament. That's why it's positioned where it is. It's, it's very late in the game, as far as Israel is concerned, before the coming of Christ. He ministered to the returned exiles in Judah. The kingdom's fallen. The people have gone to Babylon. They've returned. Okay? That's how late in the game we are. His ministry is dated right at about the same time as Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, I would think he's even a little bit after Ezra and Nehemiah. By now, the temple has been rebuilt. The walls of the city have been rebuilt. Everything seems to be in place for Israel to be restored to its glorious place of old. The people seem to think that it's only a matter of time before the nation of Israel returns to the glory days of David and Solomon. But nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. The glorious manifestation of God in their midst, it remains a distant memory. It remains something for the history books. Far from being independent as they once were, God's people are dependent on the nations around them for survival. And the people begin to think that because things aren't playing out as they hoped they would, that God has forgotten them. And from this, they begin to wonder, right, well, if this is how it's going to be, what's the point in honoring God? What's the point in keeping covenant with Him if there doesn't seem to be anything in it for us? And this attitude amongst the people, it gives rise to what we might call superficial, routine, insincere, empty worship and religious practice. And so God, he, he sends the prophet Malachi to the people to call them out for this and to remind them that God, God has not forgotten them. He does love them and all will be worked out in the end. When God comes to judge and bestows salvation upon those who have honored Him. Now, the book of Malachi can be broken up into six disputes, disputes between really the people and God. God is speaking through the prophet, and, but the prophet is kind of putting words in the people's mouth that certainly God had heard them muttering. But there's these, these disputes that are going on, there's six of them. Um, And each dispute shows us, at the same time, um, how to honor the Lord. In each dispute, the people are kind of rebuked for what they are doing wrong, but as we turn that on its head, we're kind of giving a principle as to how you do right (laughs) in the eyes of the Lord. So, I think you'll see what what I mean as we go on. But the first dispute is chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. You can see the issue right in verse 2. "'I have loved you,' says the Lord." but you ask, how have you loved us? So, the people were were grumbling that God didn't love them. And the Lord says, I have loved you. And then the Lord goes on to give evidence of His love. Basically, He says, look what I did to the Edomites. They've been crushed. I have not treated you the same way I've treated them. And the reason Because Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. God's people were descendants of Jacob. The Edomites were descendants of Esau. God says, you don't think I've loved you? Look what I did to the Edomites. I turned my face against them. I destroyed them. You know, I think as as I read this, I was reminded of how easy it is for us to get wrapped up in our own problems and, and throw ourselves pity parties in which we sort of say, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. Right? It's easy. Any of, us, any of us can do it. But the fact is, God's love is attested to daily all around us if we'll but have eyes to see it. Right? The, food over our, the food on our tables, the roofs over our heads, especially this time of year when it's so cold out, Wayne mentioned that, and we have warm homes to come to. Right, We know that all of it comes from the hand of our loving Heavenly Father. But if we want to get nitpicky... Right? If we want to get nitpicky, if we want to throw a pity party, which is what it seems Israel was doing, things aren't going quite how we want them to, you'll be able to do it. right? You'll be able to do it. What does it look like to honor the Lord? Well, we honor the Lord by being, by being grateful. I think if we turn it on its head here, that's where we end up. We honor the Lord by being grateful. The people weren't being grateful for the things God had given them, for the things God had done for them. The second dispute is in chapter 1, verse 6, through chapter 2, verse 9. You can see the issue in verses 6 through 8. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name, but you ask, How have we shown contempt for your name? You, You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. So, what are the people doing? Well, the people are offering blemished sacrifices. Leviticus 22, verses 17 through 25 is very, very clear. God's people, God's people uh, or, or any animal brought to the sacrifice must be an animal without defect. Right? It's, it's, it's clear that these people, they're not, they're not listening. <laughs> they're offering defected animals, and by so doing, they're showing blatant, blatant disregard for God, and, and they're showing contempt for God's Word. So we learn here that, that, that we honor God, if we turn it on its head, we honor God when we obey His Word. What a, thing, what a thing to remember, right? You cannot separate God and His Word. You can't say, I love God, while you willfully carry on in sin and disobedience. It does not work that way. Our love for God is expressed in obedience to His Word and through repentance when we realize that we're walking outside His Word. But these people were just offering these blemished sacrifices, and maybe we could even add more, right? They were, they were taking the last of their herds instead of the first of their herds, right? But they weren't, they, weren't, they weren't worshiping as God's Word instructed them to. The third dispute is in chapter 2, verses 10 through 17. Here the issue is that of unfaithfulness, in verse 10, the prophet accuses the people of being unfaithful to each other. In verses 11 and 12, he accuses the people of being unfaithful to God as they intermarry with the pagan peoples around them. Again, that was forbidden by God's Word. And then in verses 13 through 16, they're accused of being unfaithful in their marriages. And we can turn that on the head and say that we bring honor to God when we're, we're, we're faithful. We bring honor to God when we're faithful to one another. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we bring honor to God when we're faithful to God. When we worship and serve Him alone, we bring honor to God when we're faithful in our marriages. Faithfulness brings honor to God, and unfaithfulness was plaguing the people of Judah in the days of Malachi. The fourth dispute begins at chapter 2.17, runs through chapter 3.5. You can see the issue there starting at verse 17 you have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied Him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and He is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? So, the people are accusing God of being unjust. They're accusing God of looking with favor on those who do evil. You remember the psalmist had a similar complaint. Psalm 73, Asaph, I look at the prosperity of the wicked, right? These aren't the first people ever to have this problem, but they're they're taking it to the next level. uh, And they're saying, God, you're being unfair. You're you're, you're, you're looking with favor on those who do evil. The Lord responds in verses 2 through 5 by saying, whoa, hold on. There is coming a day of judgment, And on that day, those who do evil will receive justice. I will testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those who defraud laborers their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and who deprive aliens of justice. God says, listen, nobody is going to get away with anything. Nobody's going to get away with anything. The fifth dispute begins at chapter 3.6, goes to chapter 3.12. In verse 7, God says, Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. That's ultimately what He wants to come out of the prophet Malachi's ministry, the people of Israel, to return to Him. The text goes on, But you ask, how are we to return Verse 8, "'Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven.' and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines and your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. So God says to the people, stop stop withholding your tithe. This too is part of the old covenant. The people were to bring in the first tenth of their crop, of their first fruits to the Lord. A tithe is a tenth. These people were not, were not doing it. They were not bringing in the whole tithe. Maybe they were like Ananias and Sapphira. They said they were, but they weren't. Or, or maybe they just, they just flat out weren't doing it. They were only bringing a portion of it. And the Lord says, test me in this. I love that. Test me in this. right? I dare you. I dare you to bring in the whole tithe. I dare you to see what will happen if you give to me what I asked you to give me. See if I will bless you. See what happens. I dare you. Sounds like a good passage to preach on for a giving, a week of giving. Doesn't it, Joel? Maybe the deacons would like to put that forward, right? But, but, but that's what God says. They're not bringing in the whole tithe, and the Lord said, well, why not? Right? Well, why not? see? I dare you to see what happens if you bring in the whole tithe. I dare you to see how I will respond to you if you bring in the whole tenth. The lesson, of course, is that we honor God when we give in faith. We honor God whenever we give in such a way so as to say, Lord, I trust you more than I trust this. I wonder if we give our money in such a way so as to uh, express dependence on God, right? Or do we just give a little bit, afraid that if we give too much, you know, we, we won't have what we need. There's a way to give in faith, and there's sort of a way to give, I think, in self-righteousness or self-preservation. But we honor God to God when we, when we give in faith. I think Two, one thing I, I thought of as I read this, um, many of you probably have stories like this as well, those of you who've given a lot longer than I have, but, but I can certainly say that um, whenever I've given consistently, faithfully, whenever I've increased my giving along with my wages, um, the more you give, the more God provides. It's been my own experience. I, I think the words of Malachi here have played out in my own life, and I would imagine a number of you can attest to that as well. Anyway, the sixth dispute is in chapter 3, 13 through 4, 3, and here we see that problem that has given rise to all these other problems we've mentioned. Verse 13, you have said harsh things against me, says the Lord, yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What did we gain, what did we gain by carrying out His requirements? and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty, right? There's that question we had at the very beginning. It's futile to serve God. What do we we gain by carrying out God's requirements? What do we we gain by by carrying on like mourners before the Lord Almighty? Right? It's no use, the people were saying. It's futile. We we give for Him, we carry out His requirements, we get nothing back. The people of this world, the evildoers, the wicked, they are, they are better off than we are. Of course, the Lord goes on to remind them that it's all going to be worked out in the end. And in the end, God will spare and save those who honor Him. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. It's all going to work out in the end, God says. It's, it's, it's all going to work out. I promise you that. And what I want you to see is those verses we read at the outset right there, chapter 3, verse 16. Here we're, we're told about these people who are described as, as fearing the Lord. And who, who heard Malachi's prophecy and who came together and talked with one another. And we're told about how the Lord listened and heard and even recorded their names on a scroll of remembrance. And then so these words about them in verse 17, they will be mine in the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them just as in compassion, a man spares his son who serves him, right? So there's these people in Judah and and I think in light of Malachi's prophecy, there are a select few, right? But there's these people in Judah who, who, who fear the Lord And, and the Lord, the Lord notices these people. Doesn't he? he notices these people who take Malachi's counsel to heart. He knows them and he records their names on a scroll and he says, I will, I will spare them. Right? These people will be vindicated. And the fact is, right? no one serves the Lord in vain. When he comes to judge, he will honor those who honor him. Certainly, we we see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus honored God perfectly, didn't He? Jesus never veered to the right or to the left of doing God's will. But He suffered for it. And He died for it. And no doubt when Jesus died, we might have asked, what's it all for? What does it profit a man to give himself in service to God if this is the end he might be met with? It's all futile. Yet he honored God, and God honored him, didn't He? God honored the Lord Jesus Christ when He raised Him up on the third day. In that moment, the Lord Jesus was vindicated, and now he who honored God perfectly in his life has received a portion among the great, Isaiah says. Now all things have been put under his feet. God honors those who honor him. Corey Ten Boom knew this. That's why in the midst of her suffering, she could say, with Jesus, even in our darkest moments, the best remains and the very best is yet to be." That's the attitude God's people need to have. We are promised no great reward in this life. We are not promised health. We are not promised wealth. We are not promised popularity. We are not promised comfort. We are not promised pleasure. What we are promised is that when God comes in judgment, he will honor those who've honored him you know it's interesting the people who are spoken about in chapter 316 these people who fear the lord and talked with each other they're not necessarily a different group of people from those whom malachi prophesied against These aren't necessarily a different group of people from those who complained or who offered blemished sacrifices or who withheld tithes. They're simply those who've taken the rebuke and encouraged one another to renewed faith in the Lord. And isn't that ultimately, fundamentally, the mark of any one of us who honors God We are people who who, who take the rebuke, who own our sin, who turn from it, and who follow hard after the Lord Jesus again in faith. The great men of Scripture, and women as well, they aren't those who were perfect. No, they are those who confessed their sin when they were confronted by it, cast themselves on God's mercy. And then went forth in newness of life through faith in the Lord Jesus. Those are the people who honor God. And those are the people God will honor on the last day. Let's pray. Lord God, we confess that we get wrapped up with the things of this world. We get wrapped up and bothered by the prosperity of the wicked. We hold tightly to our money and maybe do not give as we can or ought. We question, Lord, your justice, and we offer blemished sacrifices. Forgive us for our sins. Help us to heed the rebuke you give your people in the book of Malachi, and help us to honor you It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand for the Lord's parting blessing, and then we'll sing our closing song together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He turn His face toward you and grant you His peace. Amen. Closing song is going to be number three. 79 in the blue book 379 and why don't we do verses 1 2 5 and 6 1 2 5 and 6